We are in chapter seven and chapter seven opens where David hints to the prophet Nathan that he wants to build the holy temple. And the verse reveals to us why David thinks it's the right time because as verse one says in chapter seven, and it came to pass when the king was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. And that's almost verbatim to the words in Deuteronomy chapter 12, where it says, you shall cross the Jordan and settle in the land that Hashem your God has given you to inherit. And he will give you rest from all your enemies around. And then the next verse says, then you build the temple. And so in our verse here and in Deuteronomy, you have the same expression that Hashem that Hashem gave him rest from all the enemies around him, which from the verse in Deuteronomy seems like a prerequisite for building the temple. And so that's why David thinks it's the right time to build a temple. And it's not totally clear from the verses why Hashem is turning David down. But one thing's for sure, David is getting turned down in a very nice way. For instance, when Hashem is speaking to the prophet Natan, he, he opens up by referring to David as David Avdi, David, my servant. And we started to read the prophecy that Hashem gives over to Natan, explaining why David is getting rejected. But again, it's not crystal clear what the reason is. What does Hashem say to Natan the prophet? He says, I haven't dwelt in a house since the day that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt. To this day, I haven't had a temple. I've been moving around in a tent and in a tabernacle. And I never asked any of the rulers of Israel to build me a Beit HaMikdash. That's basically what he says to Natan in the first two verses. And so we can see from these verses that it's not that David did anything wrong. That's not why he's being rejected. It has nothing to do with him. It has to do with the timing of it. Because the temple is a symbol of peace. When there's harmony in the world and all the nations come to acknowledge God, like we see in verses in the prophets, like in Isaiah chapter two, we see the scenario of real world peace and that hasn't been achieved yet. David still has plenty of wars to fight. Another reason, according to the Malbim, and he proves it through these verses, is that the temple shouldn't be built until David's dynasty is established. And at this point, David is no different than Joshua or the judges or King Saul. That is, they were leaders who didn't have a continuation after them. And so there was lack of stability. And that lack of stability is reflected in the unstable, portable ark. The temple should be built at a time of royal stability and continuity. And when will that be? When David's son is born. Because then it means that a kingdom, a dynasty has been established. It shows that finally, there is a continuity in the leadership, which means the stability and the temple is also something stable. And just to give an example of the difference between David and Solomon, his son, when Solomon begins his rule, that's where we start the book of Kings. That is now here we're in the book of Shmuel. This is David's story. It's not called the book of Kings. When his son takes over, ah, that's the book of Kings. Now we're really starting the era of the Kings because now we have a dynasty that's being passed on from father to son, something we hadn't had up to now. So again, it's all about the timing. And so we'll see now in the following verses that David is going to get the most beautiful rejection you can get. So let's continue in these verses where Hashem is telling Natan the prophet regarding David's request to build the temple. We're in the middle of the prophecy here. Let's just go back. Hashem said like this, I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I've been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. 
And wherever I moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people, why have you not built me a house of cedar? And let's go to verse 8 where the prophecy continues. Vata, and now, kotomar la'avdi David, go and tell my servant David, kotomar Hashem tzvaot, this is what the Lord Almighty says, ani l'kaktiha minanaveh, I took you out from the pasture, me'acherat sonleot nagid, from tending the flock, and I pointed you as ruler over my people. Verse 9, And I will be with you wherever you go. And I will cut off your enemies from before you. I will make your name great. Like the names of the greatest men on earth. In other words, you're going to be known far and wide. Everybody is going to know who Dovin HaMelech is. And everybody's going to know what Magen David means, the shield of David. So David is going to be a household name, in a good way, of course. So what is this all showing? It's showing that David is worthy of building the temple. He is great, but as we said, it's just not the appropriate time. Verse 10, Hashem continues with the prophecy, and I will provide a place for my people. And I will provide a place for my people Israel. means, and I will plant them. What does it mean I will plant them? That means they'll be entrenched. They'll be stable. They're not blown around. So they can have a house of their own. And they will no longer be disturbed or oppressed. And bad people will no longer oppress them or disturb them anymore. As they had done before. That is during the day of Judges, for example. The Jews were constantly being harassed by their enemies. That is going to stop in your time. Verse 11. And even from the day that I commanded judges to be over my people, I will give you rest from all your enemies. That is, you're not going to have the problems of the judges where there was constant conflict. You are going to enjoy stability. The Lord declares to you, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. So this is huge. God says to David that he's going to establish a house for him, what we call the Davidic dynasty. So David may not be building Hashem a house as you wish to, but God is saying here, yeah, you're not going to build me a house, but I'll build a house for you. That's what he says. Hashem will establish Beit David. That's a house, the house of David, the dynasty of David. So like we said, you know, if you're going to get rejected, this is a great way to get rejected. Hashem is telling David, you won't build me a house, but I'll build you one. And now Hashem explains to David how it's the next generation after him. That's when the temple will be built. Verse 12. And when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring that succeeds you, out of your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom, and he will build a house in my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom, Adolam, forever. So these two verses really bear out what the Malbim was saying, that the temple is going to have to wait 
until a continuity is established. That's what the verse is saying here. When David will lie with his ancestors and his offspring will succeed him, that is, you have continuity, then it's appropriate to build the temple. That's verse 13. After your offspring succeeds you, I will establish his kingdom. He'll have peace around him. He will build the temple. So again, only in the next generation will those conditions be met that you'll have continuity and you'll have true peace. Because like we said earlier, David at this point is not that much different than Saul. The difference is though, David's son will continue after him. It's not a one and done. That's what these verses are saying. And the prophecy continues how Hashem will treat the Davidic kings. I will be his father. He's talking about Solomon and the rest of the kings that come after him. And he will be like my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him. Just like a father punishes a son. I'll punish him with a shevet, with a rod. Beshevet anashim means a rod that's wielded by men. I'll punish him with floggings that are inflicted by human hands. We'll see in a minute what that means. Verse 15, But my mercy shall not depart from him. The way I withdrew it from Saul. The same Saul who I removed from before you. That is, this thing is going to last. But we see here that God is talking about this Davidic dynasty. What is going to be the situation with David's descendants? And we see here that just because David has promised Malchut, that doesn't mean he has some lifetime guarantee and he can do what he wants. When the sons of David sin, says they're going to be chastised and punished. There's no free rides. But the promise will always stand. As it says in the verse we just read, Lo yasomi meno. My love will never be taken from him. It will not depart from him the way I departed from Saul. My love will never be taken away from him as was taken from Saul. So the Davidic kings, they're going to have to go in the way of Hashem. And if they don't, God will punish them. But he won't remove his promise. Lo yasomi meno. He won't remove his promise to David. There'll always be something there. And that's why when Hashem punished Solomon, there was a split in the tribes. The Davidic dynasty lost almost everything. But they were still kings over at least the tribe of Yehuda and Benjamin. So they had something. Why? Because of the Brit, the covenant, the promise that we see here. Now, getting back to what it said, the verse says that if David's descendants sin, they're going to be punished. How will they be punished? Beshevet anashim, with the staff of men. And benigiei b'nei adam, they'll be inflicted by human hands. So what is that all about? Well, that's how Hashem punishes. He does it, derechateva, through the other nations. God doesn't usually you know, punish the sinner by striking him down with lightning. It's done through human hands in a natural way. And that's why Isaiah the prophet says about Assyria, Asur shevet api, that Assyria is the rod of my fury. When Hashem brings the divine punishment, he does it through human hands. Shevet api, matezami, Assyria is the rod of my fury. Everything's through Derech HaTeva. And that's what's going to happen to Solomon. All kinds of nations are going to start rebelling against him. And Yeruvam, Ben Nevat will rebel against him, all in the most natural of ways. And that's why the verse says, Beshevet Anashim, through humans, the punishment is going to be wielded. Okay, there are two more verses to the prophecy. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever. 
Your throne will be established forever. According to these words, and this was the vision, Nathan spoke to David all these things. So again, there will be chastisement, there will be punishment, but the Brit will last forever. Until the Mashiach, right? We have Mashiach ben David. The Mashiach is descended from David. And we say every Shabbat, after we read from the Haftorah, from the Navi, we say, Lo talking about David, the flame of his candle will never be extinguished. So that's what these verses are saying. It will be established forever. So again, if you're going to get rejected for building the temple, this is the way to do it. God is saying, no, you won't be building me the temple, but I am going to build for you a malchut. I will establish an everlasting house for you. And again, we see here that the reason that David was rejected for building the temple had nothing to do with anything he did wrong. That's why Hashem keeps referring to David as David Avdi, my servant David. And so if this is so, why does everybody think that David was banned from building the temple because he spilled too much blood? It's not written here. Everybody seems to know that verse. David spilled too much blood and therefore he's not allowed to build a temple because he's a violent man. It seems that everybody knows that. Even people who never read the Bible, they know that. Well, it's not written here. Where is it written? It's written in Chronicles. So let's take a look at Chronicles where it's written. We're talking about Chronicles 1, chapter 22. And David there is speaking to his son Solomon. He's giving him guidance before he passes on. He's giving him guidance regarding the building of the temple and other things. And this is what it says. I'm reading the verse. And David said to Solomon, my son, I wanted to build a temple for Hashem, but the word of Hashem came to me saying, you have shed much blood and you have made great wars. You shall not build a temple for my name's sake, for you have shed much blood upon the ground before me. In Hebrew, it says, Damim Rabim Shafachta Lefanai. You have shed much blood before me. Okay, so that's what it says in Chronicles. This is something new. We didn't see this in the book of Shmuel. And of course, this verse is quoted nonstop. Like I said, everybody heard of it. Because it's so appropriate for our times, isn't it? It just resonates with the spirit of our days. No more war. David was violent. You see, violence is wrong. David was a violent man. And people who never read the Bible, somehow they know this verse. Okay, so let's think about this for, for a moment. I mean, what's the shot? What's the simple understanding that David, he spilled too much blood? You mean he wasn't supposed to kill Goliath? You mean it was wrong to kill the Philistines when he went out to war with them? What's going on here is something we've been saying all along, that it's not David's time. Because the temple is a symbol of peace and harmony in the world. And David is not exactly someone who represents peace and harmony. Shlomo does. Even in his name, Shlomo, from the word Shalom. David, he's the warrior. He spills blood. Shlomo inherits the peace that David fought for. So the temple will be built in Solomon's time. That's why it says, Damim Rabim Shafachta. He spilled a lot of blood. David isn't telling Solomon he's been disqualified for spilling too much blood. He's explaining why it wasn't meant to be in his time because he's the conqueror, he's the warrior. Solomon, he's the Ishmenucha. He's the king in the times of tranquility. 
And that's the appropriate time to build a temple. And that's the idea in the book Isaiah chapter 2, the famous prophecy, the prophetic vision about the times of Messiah. What does it say? It says in Isaiah chapter 2, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains and all the nations will stream to it. People will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion. They will beat their swords into plowshares. The nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Now, a lot of people know that prophecy as well. They're going to beat their swords at the plowshares. But when is that going to happen? So that definitely fits Solomon's time, not David's time. David wasn't turning his sword into a plowshare because when he was alive, the nations had swords. They didn't have plowshares. He's not going to have a plowshare when his enemy has a sword. Solomon inherited a different situation. And so what has to be understood here is that in order to have peace, you have to have war. Maybe that's not politically correct, but think about it. In order to have peace, you have to have war. There would not have been peace in Solomon's time if David didn't go to war. And so war and peace, they complement one another. Just like David and Solomon, they complement one another. Each one has his role. David's the warrior and the conqueror. That's his role. His son Solomon, he ushers in that period of peace. You know, it's kind of like the concept of Mashiach ben Yosef, who precedes Mashiach ben David. Well, in our situation here, David is like the Mashiach ben Yosef. He begins the physical redemption. And Solomon is the Mashiach ben David. He's the son of David who comes after to usher in the spiritual redemption. So this explains the pshat, the simple understanding of what it means that David could not build a temple because he spilled blood. But I'm going to bring a midrash now that's just going to blow you away and we'll get a totally different perspective on what it means that David could not build a temple on account that he, he spilled too much blood before me. And this Midrash appears in Yelkot Shimoni on the prophets. It's Midrash 145, and I'm going to read it in Hebrew and translate. You will not build a house for me because you spilled too much blood before me. That's what Hashem said to David. And the Midrash is like this. When David heard this, he was frightened. Omar, he said, I've been disqualified for building the temple? What is this? Omar of Yehuda bar Alai. Yehuda, the son of Alai, said, The Almighty said to David, 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 don't worry about it. I'm telling you, the blood that you spilled, to me, it's like the blood of a moose. That's the significance of that blood. That's what that blood means to me. It's not human blood. Another opinion. Hashem said to David, I am telling you, the blood you spilled, it was like a sacrifice. As the verse says, You have spilled blood before me. The fact that it says before me, that's what it says in Leviticus. When you offer a sacrifice, you also say before Hashem. So the rabbis differ how Hashem considered that blood. One rabbi says it's like the blood of animals you spilled. It has no significance. And the other one said it's holy blood. It was like a sacrifice before me. Okay, the Midrash continues. David asked, if that's so, if the blood I spilled was like a sacrifice to Hashem, then that's a good thing. 
Lama eni bonelto. Then why can't I build a temple if I'm that great? Omar lo Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kodesh Baruch Hu said, She'ima tabonelto hu kayam ve'eno charev. That if you build it, it will last forever and never be destroyed. Amalo, David said, Harayafeh. David said, that's a good thing. Kodesh Baruch Hu said to him, no. Goloi v'tzafoy l'fanai. It's revealed before me. She'hem atidim lachto. That the Jewish people are going to sin. And I will pour out my fury on the temple and destroy it. Instead of destroying the Jewish people, I will destroy the temple in their place and the Jewish people will survive. And then Hashem concludes and says, and because you wanted so much to build the temple, even though Shlomo bin Chaboneo, even though your son Solomon's going to build it, it will be called in your name. As we say, Shir Chanukata Bayit Le David, we call the temple the Temple of David. It's called Beit David. So, what does this midrash mean? It means that David wasn't allowed to build the temple because if he built it, it never would have been destroyed because he's so great, because he spilled so much blood, because it was such a mitzvah, all that blood he spilled. Anything he builds can't be destroyed. And that's not good because the temple was a substitute for the Jewish people. It was destroyed instead of Am Yisrael when Am Yisrael sinned. And therefore, that's why he can't build the temple. So it's the very opposite of what people think. The fact that he spilled blood made him overqualified to build the temple, not underqualified. And so that's why you're not allowed to learn Bible superficially or to cherry pick a verse and make an ideology out of it. But when you see the complete picture, everything in its proper context, you begin to understand why David didn't merit to build the temple and what that verse means, that you have shed a lot of blood before me. If you're superficial and you have an agenda, you'll take that verse and you'll turn it into an argument for pacifism. And so that's why you have to step back, learn without ego, see all the sources and understand in greater depth what these verses mean. And before signing off, we've established a brand new website. It's called LennyGoldberg.com, LennyGoldberg.com. And there you'll see all the Bible podcasts, as well as a link to other nice things, which includes Rabbi Gahana's books for sale. And you'll also find the link where you can contribute to uh, spreading the Jewish idea, helping me spread these podcasts far and wide. And this new website is part of that effort. And so check out that new website, LennyGoldberg.com, where we've aggregated all our material there. And I'll be back next week to finish chapter seven in Shmuel Bet, where King David expresses his gratitude to Hashem for establishing his Malchut. 